Uh, Welcome to another episode of Amsterdam Talk Season 3 episode. I forget this every week. I know it's episode 20. I think it's 26, 27, something like that in that nature. I can't remember which one it is, but um, it's somewhere down at end. And tonight we bring you a special guest. We bring you Dr. Janelle Perkins Muhammad today. How are you doing today? I'm well. Hello. It's good to be here. Well, thank you for joining us at all times. Um, Before we get started, tell us about yourself. Well, um, I guess I should start with I'm originally from Buffalo, New York via Maryland, and I now live in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, I am a student of the world. I've lived literally um, all over Asia, uh, spent a little bit of time in the Middle East and Africa, and of course, the U.S., right? And I got into family therapy because my family was actually steeped in ministry. And my parents were ministers who ran our marriage excellence ministry and our finance ministry for many years. And so one of the things that I saw happening on a regular basis was the fact that so often there seemed to be what, you know, normally recidivism is used in a negative way, but there were people who were coming back through their counseling practice on a regular basis. And I thought to myself as a youth, why? Why does that keep happening? I recognize that we have like a really incredible grasp for spiritual things. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I feel like some of the practical components get left out because we think in terms of everybody has common sense and it ought to be not known, but it's not. Right. So I decided to go back to school after getting my bachelor's in business communications and study families. And I took that route because I'm a systemic thinker. Mm -hmm. And that really means that I like to look back at what occurred in your history, even if we go generationally, so that we can get to the place where we understand better why you're feeling like there's this rock and hard place that you're between so that you can make the changes that you want to make. Now, I don't make the changes. I don't tell you what to do either. (laughs) And when people come through my doors, either as an individual or as a couple, I say to them all the time, you think you're coming in here by yourself, but the truth of the matter is you're bringing your mama, your daddy, your sister, your brothers, your aunties, your cousins, and your play play friends and sisters that you met in the neighborhood because all of those people help create who you are. Right. So I have two amazing daughters um, who are grown grown is what I call it. I used to call them my little people. They don't appreciate that very much. Um, And um, I'm in a a very loving relationship now. And so I wrote a book and I'm super excited about it because it's into me. See, mastering black intimacy for the relationship you've always wanted. Right. right, Yes, I have. I have a copy of it. Yeah, it's good stuff. I definitely have a copy of that. Um, so I guess we should just go ahead and get into it. But well, you already told us why you got into it, so I can't ask that question. <laughs> but I'm gonna ask some other questions. How do you how do you different cultural backgrounds impact people's relationship with intimacy and mental health? Yeah, it's really interesting because the way in which we're raised is the way that we write scripts in our hearts and minds about what we're going to do and what we expect. Um, And oftentimes our cultural backgrounds, even if we're in a multiracial relationship or marriage, our cultural backgrounds play a huge part in how we see raising children, connecting intimately, um, how we come to understand what it means to have a spiritual connection even. Um, And beyond that, even emotionally, 
how do we connect in a way that says our cultures can be represented and respected? Um, And how does that then allow us our greatest emotional emotional, um, connection with one another? Mm -hmm. So what would be the greatest emotional connection with each other? How can you get that out of a person? Oh, so the moment that you can be vulnerable with someone at a level where there is no judgment, Mm -hmm. where you feel safe, that level of emotional connection, that level of intimacy is the ultimate. It's truly the ultimate expression. Well, uh, I guess it would say society has per portrayed that you know especially black men you can't become vulnerable um Mm. because at the end of the day is i feel like once you become vulnerable with a person and they find out certain things they kind of use it and and it turns around and uses against you so yeah i want to see black men they like no crying no nothing no none of this well see that's the thing is that's not always what vulnerability is about right it's not always about being able to see tears or um about being able to be angry vulnerability is about truth and authenticity. So it's a matter of truly being yourself. So you're right. Sometimes people will use those things against you. But when you find that individual that truly is going to spend enough time to get to know who you are, and you're going to get to know them Mm -hmm. on the levels I talk about in the book, the cognitive, the emotional, the spiritual, before you even get to the physical. See, that's part of the problem. We jump to the physical too quick, right? (laughs) Right. I mean, everybody want to get to the good stuff. Nobody want to, you know, go through eating ice cream and, and you got to open the cart. They just want to pull, you know, big old lollipop. Let's go. We got our, our freeze pop or whatever. But um, it's really important to take that extra time and get to know one another because that's the space where vulnerability is authenticity. Right. So as you have in your book, I'm reading off of two monsters. So I don't okay. want you to think I'm annoying you. So as no, you- no, I'm good. As you write in your book, are these the actual steps that you that people should go as far as like cognitive, then emotional, then go sexual, then spiritual? No, it's not linear. It's okay. circuitous in its root, right? So it's if you think about a ladder, you go up and down and up and down, depending mm-hmm. on the stage of the house you're working on, right? Mm-hmm. The same thing happens when it comes to a relationship. So if you jump to the physical first, then you kind of end up missing the greatest pleasure you could truly have. Because when you get to know someone right. in a spiritual realm, I mean, talking about core beliefs and values, right? Right. Sometimes we think that means going to church together, laying hands on. I mean, we're going to lay hands eventually, but not like right, that. Right. 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 <laughs> but sometimes we think of it from that perspective that we're really um, looking at the core beliefs and values. What do you believe? What do you think? What do you value most? How do you value me? Mm-hmm. How can I most value you? And that's so vital to making true connection. So it's securitous. It's, you know, sometimes you up, down, in and out, but hopefully you have the opportunity to truly be authentic and to truly um, expose yourself to one another. Now, let me say this, because I know that that's going to be tough for some people. I'm not talking within the first two weeks. You just come and just lay all your troubles at the door. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about giving people an opportunity such that you build trust. That's vital. Building trust in one another gives you the opportunity to know how much further you can go. 
Right. I mean, the, if, when you put it like that, you said these steps aren't linear. I mean, because when, when I just read the steps, but most people are going to go, I'm guessing off the top, it's going to go sexual first. Then I guess it'll go emotional, then cognitive, then spiritual. But the way that you just put it, if you go those opposite steps first before straight sexual, you could actually save yourself a lot of heartache and trouble because it's like, okay, this is what you believe. I don't believe in that. This is your core mm -hmm. values. No, this is not that. But most people don't find that out down the line. And once they mm -hmm. find it out, you two, three, four, five years into it, like, damn, I should have known this from the beginning. Well, you know what? If you're three, four, five years in it and you're just now finding out somebody's core beliefs and values, <laughs> that's a whole nother set of trauma, right? Because that means that you are likely in a space where there's some abandonment issues, some mm -hmm. concerns of rejection, and you just don't want to tap into or touch those spaces that are really, truly important to you. So three or four or five years down the road, you're just now finding out that someone believes in, I don't know, hugging trees and you believe in, you know, going to Jesus with it. I don't know, whatever that is. Or even if you didn't know that the person was vegan in a year. Right. Come on now. I mean, well, they say, you know, you don't, you never truly know a person. They always say that. I mean, you, I don't think is, is it true that you can actually know every single thing about a person? Well, I don't think it's important to know everything, every single thing about a person. I think it's important to know what's vital to the success of the relationship. Okay. And I think that when people say that you can't truly know a person, they're talking about the fact that over the course of life and development, we change. Which everybody changes. And so I'm not the same person at 52. I ain't ashamed to say I'm about to be 52 next week. Oh, well, happy yes. early birthday. Thank you. Um, but I'm not, a I, I, I'm not the same person at nearly 52 that I was at 22. Well, you shouldn't so be. You shouldn't be. You should grow and develop, hopefully. And at the same time, that means that there's some things, though, that are just my values. Like I still believe in the same God. That hasn't changed for me, right? But I don't eat red meat like I used to. Right. That has changed. Now, is that a deep core belief where if I meet somebody who does eat red meat, I can't talk to them? No. But for some people, it is. Yeah, there's, there's a bunch of things that people believe that's a core value. That's Well, I guess you would say a deal breaker. Yes. Like, just because you do this, nah, I can't do this. But my motto always been for me is like, maybe I, how bad is it? You know, if the good can outweigh the bad, then possibly we can work around it because I feel like uh, certain things can be, you can adjust to certain things, certain sure. things you can adjust to. Sure. And I think that's really what happens if we jump to the physical component. That's what happens with most people who start in the physical space. They do things that they wouldn't normally do, or they don't truly believe in for the purpose of, um, getting into a relationship. And then they realize they don't really like that or they don't want to continue that behavior. And I think that's why people say things like when you get married, your sex life changes. It shouldn't. It doesn't have to. If you're honest with one another from the beginning. But if your belief system says, what's the age group that listens to this? <laughs> Oh, oh, I have. We adults, right? Yeah, we, okay, yeah, we grown here folks. Is over 21. <laughs> okay, perfect. So if you're, you know, if you're all about missionary position and that's it, no, you can't do anything beyond that. And your partner's one who's swinging from the rafters and like, no, flip that puppy over, you're going to be in a world of trouble. <laughs> 
what bell did Biff DeVoe say? Slap it up, flip it, rub it down? Wasn't that oh, what they no. said? Yeah, oh no. Oh no. So, <laughs> why do you think oh no came after that? Let's get that straight. Oh no came because someone was like, oh wait, hold on. Wait, what are we doing? That might be too much for some people. Might be too much. You better find out. Well, I figure like when you talk about that part from the physical part, I mean, you should know like from your encounters before you even get married, like this is what we do. Why are we holding back? Do we though? Do we, especially as a black people, right? We might think that we're giving ourselves an opportunity to understand each other physically, but I look at it from this perspective and I've seen many situations like this in my practice. Imagine a young man or woman usually young men, so I'm just going to say a young man, okay. who believes that either blowing in the ear, licking the ear is the way to get things started. And for her, she's grossed out. She's like, oh my God, if he licks my ear one more time, I tell you what, right? right. And so then she walks away because she can't take it because he keeps licking the ear, but she doesn't say to him, don't lick my ear. Why? Right. Because a lot of the ego in Black men can't take being directed, right? I understand. So each time he goes from one person to the next person until he finds the person who's just like, you know what, I'll deal with the licking thing. And then I'll get him past that. Once we get married, I'll tell him that I don't like his, him licking my ear. And you he'll say. Someone. You should tell him right there, stop. You, you would think it doesn't happen that way, Rod. It doesn't happen that way. Because people are trying desperately to connect and gain access to relationship. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're desperately gaining access. Oh, well, why would you say that? You know, they're desperately trying to gain access. Oh, because society tells us that, in particular for Black women, there's so few Black men out there, which comes to be true in some ways based on the fact that we have, you know, the pipeline to prison. Um, we have a number of Black men who have kind of put themselves in positions where they're just not available to Black women. Right. So society says half a man is better than no man at all. Is it? I mean, is it? Um, no, I don't think so. I don't either. But if you've grown up hearing that all your life, if you've grown up believing that, girl, you're going to have to deal with some stuff. So, I mean, if you're fooling around with one or two. Or, you know, she she might not be able to cook. She might not be whatever that is. She might be a freak and hanging out in these streets. But you know what? Deal with it because she's going to she going to get you some children. We want some grandbabies. People are told and taught from very early on that that's the way that they should comport, the way that they should show up in the earth. And so they do. Well, I could get it back to yesteryear, you know, when grandma didn't work and, you know, she had to deal with that because the only source of income was grandpa. So I can kind of understand that knowledge. Well, that, you know, kind of understand that theory from yesteryear. But today where most women make most money, more money than black women, I mean, more money than black men mm -hmm. or whatever, you don't have to take that type of abuse. You don't have to, didn't have to back then, but you'd be amazed the number of times I've had clients who have boyfriends that they've been in relationship with for a few years who have they have children with boyfriend girlfriend they in a relationship have children and they have children in between the children mm. Mm. okay so break babies 
I don't know if they're necessarily break babies because we have some that are married. I know couples that have been married 30 years that have a 20-year-old and let's say a 16-year-old, and then he has with another woman an 18-year-old and a 14-year-old. Wow. Well, I mean, they were, well, you said they were married, so I guess, you know, you can't break up, but. I mean, you, you do what you have to do. The reason I have no judgment for it, which is why I write the book the way I do, that you get the relationship you've always wanted, is because I recognize that that's about survival. And oftentimes we don't have or haven't had, let me put it that way, the okay. knowledge that was necessary to recognize what it was to set boundaries, what it meant to have standards. Like we think that standards are about, you know, I want a man that's six feet tall. That's not the only standard we're talking about. What about loyalty and integrity within men and women, right? I want a woman with a big old booty. Okay, so she get a big old booty. When she gets older, you know what's going to happen to the muscle and the fat in that booty? It drops. So now what do you do? You go back and get another one? No, you have to learn how to communicate with one another. You have to learn how to actually have connection such that if you want her to keep that, maybe y'all going to work out together. Pilates. Uh, who you telling? Squats all day. <laughs> but my thing is, uh, hold on, somebody just commented, six figures and over six feet. <laughs> Look, let me help you understand something. Six figures is not a lot of money. It is not a lot of money. You need to be more specific. Are we talking $999,000 or $100,000? Because in some places, like Maryland and D.C., $100,000 doesn't buy you a good home. No. No. So let's not just be flippantly throwing things out, six figures and six feet. The six feet, okay, you can have that. But you better be specific on what that six figures is. And is six figures an entrepreneur? Because the way an entrepreneur works versus the way someone who's working nine to five does is very different. So it's not just about the money. It's about the relationship you're going to have based on the money that you're making. Right. So some of precisely we are too concerned with someone who is versus who they are. Now, that is true because today's society, social media has made us change our whole aura. You have not saying it's, it's nothing against it. You have people running out and getting all these surgeries and enhancements. Mm-hmm. And as you stated, once you get older, these things drop and mm-hmm. not drop. But some of these surgeries will take the BBL, for example. Some of these these ass shots blow up. Yeah, it's really unfortunate because what what we could be doing is investing our time and energy Mm -hmm. into what it is to be in true committed relationship. Now, I'm not saying anyone should not go out there and have whatever surgery they want to enhance themselves. Don't write me no letters. Don't call me up. (laughs) Go get your surgeries, right? Right. If that's what you truly want and desire, have it be for you though. Right. For the purpose of feeling better about who you are, because that internal validation is going to be everything. At the end of the day, I think, who was it? My grandmother used to say something like, you live by the yays, you'll die by the booze. Mm. If you're living out here for everyone saying, yay, good job, you did that. Look at you. The first time there, oh, girl, we can't stand that. I can't believe you did. Now you're feeling bad about yourself. So confidence is so important and it is attractive. I'm not talking about cocky. 
I'm not talking about narcissistic. And I know the difference between someone just flippantly saying, oh, he's a narcissist and diagnosed. There's a huge difference. I'm talking about true confidence in who you are, what you are, how you are, what you believe. This whole idea of what do you bring to the table sometimes can be annoying because I may not know what I bring to the table right away. Right. So why don't we both come and let's figure it out together? And you'll know within six months if that's a table you need to pull your chair up to. Yeah, that, that, that's that been rather the conversation for the last two or so years, the table. And I'm like, what is the table? No one knows, like you just said, no one knows really what's on the table. Yeah. The table is the table because some of that stuff that you don't really want to put on the table, you're going to put under the table to get past as far as you can get to. Yeah. And some of that you need to be working through in individual therapy. I'm just going to put it out there. I know we don't always like to talk about therapy, but it's so important because As I said, I'm a systemic thinker and the way that I help my clients really visualize and self-actualize is through individual therapy. They make greater change there than they do sometimes in couples therapy because suddenly they realize, oh, maybe I'm not thinking about this the right way. It could be that I'm not the greatest communicator in the room. It could be that common sense is truly what's common to that man or woman's experience. Right. Common sense is not common to everyone. We know that. Definitely mm. know that. We we say we do, but how many times have you heard someone? It's common sense. Yeah, I've heard it a lot. But you, mm-hmm. I mean, but you know what? You know, just as I get older, it's just like I don't even look at it as like that anymore. I'm just like, damn, I thought you knew that. Oh well, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just that. A level of acceptance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, you like you just said level of acceptance but also i have to understand that everybody that i have a relationship with whether it's man or woman friendship whatever mm-hmm. everybody doesn't have the same background that they grew up in so certain things mm-hmm. i may be used to are certain things that you're not used to certain mm-hmm. things you're used to i'm not used to you know absolutely so, like an example me personally i i'm a person when i cook i won't wash this till i'm completely done mm-hmm. another person may cook and clean as they go Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So who, who's right or wrong in this situation? Nobody. You know, my pastor told a story one time um, where his wife was cooking. I guess she was barbecuing chicken in a Pyrex, you know, the glass pans mm-hmm. um, to put in the oven. And um, which I thought was pretty awesome that at that age they had a Pyrex pan because most people had metal ones. Right. Right. So I thought, how big time of you. <laughs> but. <laughs> He said that um, when she got ready to cook it, he was, wait a minute, wait a minute. My mama always put foil in the bottom of the pan. You got to put foil in that. And she said, I'm cooking this. And he's like, no, you're doing it wrong. So she said, well, who's cleaning the pan? Mm. And he said, oh, okay, never mind. Let her cook it the way she wanted to. She cleaned it the way she cleans it. And they moved on. But a lot of times people get stuck in that. I, you know, I'm, I'm divorced. And one of the things that happened when I first married my ex-husband, who I was married to for 23 years, is that I was looking for the cereal one day and I could not find the cereal in the house at all. And I could not figure this out. I knew we bought some. And so finally I went and said, hey, where is the cereal? And he said, in the refrigerator. 
Why is why'd you put the frosted flakes in the fridge? He said, so the bugs won't get in it. That was I was gonna say, your ex-husband grew up with roaches. So I didn't he put it in the refrigerator. I didn't though. So I looked at him like, huh, right? And I didn't really know what to say because I was just like, we don't have bugs in my head. Right. And I, I didn't say anything at the time. And later I happened to be talking to my mom and I was just like, that was the weirdest thing. Now I grew up in a family where my mother would, would have said that she, you know, I didn't teach you how to be married, but in essence she did. So I was kind of quiet, like, mm, let me fix, let me, let me peep this out before I say a whole lot. And when I expressed it to her, she just went, oh yeah, you know, that, that's a Chicago thing that, you know, he grew up in Chicago. That's, that's a thing. I could have gone off. I could have talked about how this wasn't right and he was this and that, but I didn't. Well, that's one thing, I, you know, one of my older co-workers who's been married for out of, for over 40 years, he always tell me, I would say, mm -hmm. Rod, some, you pick and choose your battles in this, in this relationship thing. Everything does not need a response. Right. You know, right. just, you better pick, when you pick one, just notice the one you better pick. Everything is not needed. So. Yeah. Are you going to die on this hill? Is this really the hill you want to die on? Right. What's the priority? And the priority is that we love one another. At the end of the day, I recognize that my partner loves and adores me. Right. And whatever he's saying or whatever he's doing, I'm looking for the space in which he's trying to bring the best to me. Mm. I understand that very well. So you speak of cognitive in intimacy and you state in the book is the result of couples engaging in effective and honest communication. Healthy mm -hmm. communication requires partners to define and clarify ideas, perspectives, uh, peregrine of thought and exchange is exchanged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really about if I sum it up in one word, setting expectations, mm -hmm. hopes, dreams, and desires. Okay. Yeah. Because if you don't express your expectations, you're setting yourself up for resentment, disagreement. You put get all the mints together. They're not gonna taste very good. But you know, the, all of those mints that are the the negative ones, disagreement, you know, um, rejection is going to come with that because you'll feel rejected, but you haven't told anybody what you need. Right. And so again, without being honest enough with yourself and mm -hmm. open enough with yourself and having that discussion with your partner, you now are going to find yourself in a place where the way that you think about each other is distorted. So you jump to conclusions, right? Right. You have catastrophizing where you make things really bigger than they are. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you, you jump to conclusions, but um, say if a person like try to justify, they're trying to justify, justify mm -hmm. what they did, like, and there's mm -hmm. really no need for justification. Mm -hmm. Like, what does that mean? No need. Give me an example. What do you mean? Um, Just say you, you trying to think, uh, you did something wrong. You did mm -hmm. something wrong and you're mm -hmm. just trying to justify your actions instead of just being like, yo, I'm so sorry. Being in defense mode. Yes. Right. Yeah. So that's that's all about the fact that at some level, the ego needs to defend itself. And sometimes it's a matter of really just listening for the purpose of understanding mm -hmm. rather than for responding. And when you're able to really hear why someone is being moved by the actions you've taken, mm -hmm. it generally is that it's it's hurtful. When you find the right feeling words, I feel betrayed, I feel used, disappointed, angry. And when you listen for the words of 
emotion. It gets you to a place where you understand what the person is really expressing. And sometimes that defense mechanism of justification, if you will, is just a matter of saying my ego is wounded. All you had to do was simply apologize. (laughs) It's easy to say for me and you, but for a lot of people, it's really challenging. Particularly if as a child, you were not heard. If, right. You know, I, I don't know how old you are, but I grew up during the time 41. when, okay, so we're, are you an X or millennial or what's, um, I'm, I'll guess on the end of X. I'm, I'm, I'm 82. Okay. <laughs> I'm so, okay. Okay. You're a millennial. So, so I grew up during a time when, you know, children were seen and not heard. Right. I grew up during the time when you talking back, what was that? Expressing your feelings? telling someone what you thought, even telling on an adult who did something to you. Right. When the d- adult said, uh-uh, I didn't do that. Now you're lying. When you know that adult wronged you, you can't verbalize and vocalize what truly happened to you. And oftentimes it's that childhood trauma of being stifled and shut down that now is showing itself in adulthood and it's almost like having an adult tantrum right but nowadays you know things have changed with this gen x and gen z is now Mm -hmm. i'm heard (laughs) like oftentimes that's true that now they're heard sometimes um they are reparenting too because there are many things that the xers were doing to the millennials and the zers out of their own pain and trauma that create a space where some of the millennials and Zers are saying, I have to reparent myself. I have to rethink these behaviors. I have to rethink why these behaviors were done. And um, now I get this opportunity to say to even my parents, this wasn't right and I don't like it and I don't wanna deal with it anymore. And we might not be talking for a little while because I have to draw some boundaries. And we have Black Marvel said we weren't allowed to say someone was lying. We had to say they were telling a story. And we both know that they were not sitting up here saying once upon a time. (laughs) (laughs) That is not what was happening. (laughs) I mean, the the rules have changed, you know, from yesteryear to today. Some things Mm -hmm. you can't say. I I mean, I, uh, you know, just from Kings of Comedy, just what Cedric Entertainer said, when mama was talking you could not interrupt them no, <laughs> you no. could not so imagine what that do- that does because you know if we think about where that comes from it's back to the master in, in slave time right? right when the master said something you just did what was said you did not talk back you could literally be killed for not mm-hmm. doing what you were told to do so that's what i'm talking about in the book when i talk about all the generational trauma that mm-hmm. exists Because that just came through from one to the next to the next, that this is how we do things. You don't tell me what I'm doing wrong. You don't talk back when I tell you to do something. I could be telling you to do something you know, because somehow you studied it in school is going to be harmful to us. But you better do it until we figure out we're all hurt. Yeah, I mean, and that that is definitely true right there i mean i don't understand you know some things that need to be broken mm-hmm. you know i mean my thing so then, is, but how does that show up in a relationship right how right. does that show up at work imagine that 
you finally figure out you have a voice and now you're going to tell your boss what he is and isn't going to do rather than learning how to communicate effectively where you now understand how to set boundaries appropriately, where you understand how to um, not shut down, but to actually articulate what you need and how you need that thing to show up and why. And if you don't take the time to learn those skills between the emotional mind and the rational mind, when they come together, you get in the middle, what we call the wise mind. That's where wisdom shows up. When your emotions meet your rationality. Right. I mean, well, I got my communication, but I got to hit the lottery first. Then I'm going to say what I need to say. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least you have a plan. That's my exit plan. Once I hit the lottery, it's like, all right, here we go. I'm That's going and see funny. what I need to say the next day. Right, right. Oh, man. So, okay. So what inspired you to write your book, Into Me, Into Me See? Just that. Um, when I think about what it is to really have true intimacy, it is looking beyond the actual person who sits before you. Mm-hmm. And really beginning as a people to analyze, to talk about, to study what it is to have had a history and how that history impacts us. And what do we do differently now that we know something more? So into me, see, is about getting beyond the physicality, which is why I kind of put it at the end. And actually studying that cognitive, that emotional, that spiritual being that could have experienced trauma, but could have grown up with a silver spoon in their mouth. But why do they do what they're doing in the way that they do? And why am I seeing that as hurt? Why am I now ready to walk away? Right. So, and look, let me say this. I say that, like I said, ha- gone, having gone through a divorce. Mm-hmm. And I talk about this, too, in the next book. Um, the fact that 23 years, I would still be there if he had been willing to do the work because he got a diagnosis of narcissistic personality disorder by the military. Mm-hmm. And so once I saw it, I was like, oh, this is good because now we know what we're working with. Right. right? So when we learn what we're working with and we understand what the anxiety is and what the depression is or what the disorder is, now we can move differently. Unfortunately, he didn't want to do that. Mm. And And I talk about that in the book. You got to learn when you have to walk away, too. I mean, hey, that's best. That's mm-hmm. best. What you have mm-hmm. right here with the building of the building a foundation for healthy intimacy, you have the five levels of human needs. Mm. What are those? Yeah. Well, you know, it's if you've ever looked at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, yes. um, then you come to understand that our basic needs um, are really wrapped up in relational needs. So we always talk about, you know, uh, at this particular time, especially on social media, I see this a lot. Men are providers and, you know, they make sure the stability of the home and um, we ensure that they are um, taking care of what we need. So we talk in food, we're talking, you know, water, shelter, all that kind of good stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the next rung of that is going to be a matter of safety. 
But we generally think of that as being our doors locked or will somebody come to fisticuffs for us, right? Right. But no, safety is also about the emotional safety. Can I tell you what I'm feeling today? And you allow me the space for that without cracking up laughing because what I just said seems so ridiculous to you. But it's very real for me and it hurts. So that's the next one. Then when we're talking about getting beyond that, we're talking love and belonging. Mm -hmm. So now that I feel safe, I can truly feel like I'm loved, like I belong in the space before we even reach self-esteem and then self-actualization. And as a couple, all of these can be managed. As a matter of fact, they go right along with the cognitive, the emotional, and the physical, and they're wrapped in the spiritual. Right. Yeah. I was actually trying. Oh, here, go right here. Your lunchbox exercise where you, <laughs> you express in detail what you appreciate when I do something you like, talk about your strengths and what I do well. Mm -hmm. um, two, tell me you love me at, at least four times a day. Three, try a new sexual position from the book. Four, mm -hmm. encourage my cooking. And five, hold my hand, hold my hand in public. Mm -hmm. So these are things that doing this lunchbox, ex this lunch bag exercise that two couples can figure out their words of affirmation or basically their love languages. Yeah. So what happens is you actually take two lunch bags, right? And depending on what your love language is, then you would place those things that you like to have done into that bag. Switch handoff exchange bags, right? And then your partner gets an opportunity to do those things for you throughout the week. Okay. So what if they don't do it? Is well, I mean, there is accountability. Well, I mean, it depends. <laughs> you could make that fun too. <laughs> okay. There could be some good penalties with that too. You have to be creative. But I think there's a matter of accountability because um, you can work on a relationship with one person to a degree, right? Right. Um, and I think that's where the spiritual component comes in. A lot of the time, it's a matter of what's the prayer life that we have that's going to get us to the place where we're coping with what's happening at this moment. Because like I said, people change, right? right. And over time, it could be that someone's in a particular slump. Understand. So yeah, accountability is important. Now, I mean, you know, it could be a monetary fine if that's what you want it to be. It could be a physical fine. If Although I don't believe in holding out on sex. I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think that's not a good punishment. Don't do that. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I can understand that. I can definitely understand that. So what's the one piece of advice you have for couples who may suspect they need therapy but haven't started yet? Mm, get it. Just Get do it. it. Just do it. I mean, um, I think that even when your relationship is going well, maintenance mm -hmm. is important. Enrichment is important. So even if it's a matter of you're going once a quarter just to sit and talk about some things that are happening um, or feelings that you might be having, uh, even if it's a matter of going to a conference, you know, twice a year, maintenance and enrichment is really important. But if you're not if you know that you're feeling like you might need therapy, go. Even if you go as an individual first. Even if you go on your own first. So what about a, if you don't want to go to therapy, you just do a check-in with your partner. You're just like, okay, this is the check-in. How are we, you know, and you just start explaining everything. Is that well, also Well, if, if, if you are thinking of therapy, you've likely done that already. Okay. 
more than likely you've had a conversation. Most people don't come to therapy not having talked about things, and particularly women. See, women are creatives. We birth things, right? So you best believe if there's a woman that you consider to be nagging you, it's because you're stagnant. You have not moved. And if you don't begin to move, she's going to say more because her job is to create into birth and to bring forth. And if there's nothing to create or birth or bring forth, she'll be looking like, what are we doing? Why are we, why are we sitting here? What's next? Um, But you get that woman something and watch (laughs) this thing grow. You've been messing around. Oh, okay. Wait, wait, wait. We only want it to grow a little, a little bit at a time. Baby, if you want us to go to the moon, I can have you there in a year. Okay. Oh, well, I mean, hey, in a year, that's what you say. In a year, I was trying to see if anybody said anything in the chat, but they quiet know, now, huh? No, no, no. They was talking <laughs> about uh, children today have no filters. Um, yeah, we'll see. Okay, so that's a good one because in all, in all actuality, one of the reasons that the filters are gone is mm. because we removed them. We removed them in our music. We removed them in our television shows. We removed them in all of the cultural condition, conditioning that we've done. We removed the filters. So how do we anticipate that they're going to have something they don't know anything about? Right. Um, and you removed the belt, too. Uh, uh, it depends on the child that's all i'm going to say about that it totally depends on the child right Right. i think there's a way to talk to children such that they have an understanding of what the expectation is and if you do that early on then you don't necessarily have to do a belt i remember when my oldest was oh gosh she must have been three and we were in a store together i want to say toys r us when back in the day right right and um she saw this little girl look at her dad, point at something, he pulled it down, and then he got ready to take it from her, put it back, and she threw a little tantrum, ah, right? Mm-hmm. And so I saw my daughter look at me like, hmm. I was like, mm, whatever. She pulled down a little thing. I said, put that back. She looks at me. It gets to uh, uh, tuning up. I walked away. Now, this is during a time when you could walk away from your child and, like, nobody's snatching them type thing. Right. I don't know if that's really a time, but it wasn't in my neighborhood, (laughs) but I walked away. Oh, no, ma'am. I ignored it. Next thing I heard was mom, mom. Why? Because that's not happening between us. Now, what you can do is ask me for a thing. Right. That's what's expected. Use your words. But you have to start that early. Social emotional learning is all about self-awareness, self-control, and the ability to intellectually, or maybe I should say more, interpersonally connect, right? We start teaching that at birth. But we didn't get that. Right. As a people, we didn't know anything about social emotional learning. What we got was the belt. I don't know. Can you remember the first time somebody smacked your hand for reaching out for something? Uh, probably when I was about. Well, it depends. I, yeah, I can remember, but I was protected because I'm the oldest grandchild. <laughs> so then there's that, right? <laughs> my grandmother did not play that between my moms and my dad. No, leave that boy alone. <laughs> See, See? Like, and then there's that, right? So there's that's a cultural thing too, right? See, I also, this is the other thing I think is cultural. So I went to school. I started out at TCU. 
Okay. Um, so Texas Christian University. Mm -hmm. And many, no, everybody in my dorm except me was Caucasian. Right. There were things they taught me my mother had never spoken to me about. Right. And so I was just like, when did your mother tell you these things? They started talking at 10, 11, 12 years old. Right. When we got to orientation, moms were talking about, we're here for our MRS. I was like, oh, they're, they're beyond their bachelor's. They're getting master's degree. No, they were there to get married. MRS right. degrees. I didn't know what that was. My mother MRS. didn't talk to me about getting an MRS. My mother said, take your talent and study. You focus. Don't be wasting my money. Here are your quarters for the laundry, and let's get with it. Well, but that's but that's truthful too. From our cultural standpoint, we're not taught that. No. Uh, we're not taught that. So basically, um, and and like I didn't understand that, but my mom used to always tell me when I first went to this college, I went to the University of Maryland Eastern Shore, and she used to always say, "You gonna meet your wife when you get to college." I'm like, "I'm just going ahead to get some education. Come on, make mm -hmm. some money. That's what mm -hmm. I'm going to do." Mm -hmm. I mean, needs to say none of that happened mm -hmm. at that school, but I'm just saying, you know, as far as culturally, um. Uh, Caucasians, that's what they're groomed to. They go there, they yeah. find what they need to find. I mean, like you said, so MRS sometimes degrees. there is a softness that exists that we don't necessarily always have. Right. We're not a monolith. So mm -hmm. I'm not saying that not one Black woman is feminine or has a softness or because I, I consider myself to be a feminist. To, no, I shouldn't say it that way. I'm exceedingly feminine. I enjoy my femininity. Please open my door. Please pull out my chair. Don't let me hit the floor now. I ain't playing with you. So at the same time, I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur mm -hmm. and I run my business, but I right. know how to lay that down when it's time. Right. Mm -hmm. Got you. So in the relationship you in now, basically you say you do what you do, but you know how to let him lead. Absolutely. When there's and, leading to be done, I don't want to be doing it. And but see, that's the part of the culture today. A lot of these women don't want to let you lead. Well, that's because they've had to lead for so long. So how do you break that? How do you break that monotony? I don't know up? that it's a matter of breaking, it's a matter of managing. Because if I needed to lead, I could. I had to lead before. Right. There was I, I absolutely had to lead before. But that's not the space I wanted to be in. And if you think about it, once again, if we go all the way back generationally, mm -hmm. in slavery, they took our men away. So we had no choice but to raise the families, do everything that meant so that we then could manage navigating the master's house, the cities we were in, the, the field hands, the, all the people that were coming for us. Right. So for generations, that's what we've had to do. And now to say just stop is difficult. It's like telling you to stop being a man. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> there you have it. I'm a black man that's educated in this country. I live dangerous. I'm black. I'm educated and I live in this country. So Yeah, I get it. And look, and I moved to Charleston and I, I lived in the north most of my life. I know Maryland is below the Mason-Dixie line. I got right. it. However, <laughs> a lot of people don't consider Maryland in the south, right? right? So when I moved to Charleston, it was the year um, that Dylan Roof, no, or was it the year after? Dylan 2016, Roof. 17? I moved in 16. Okay. I moved here That happened 16. in 15. That happened in the summer of 15, right? Mm -hmm. You want to talk about someone who walked in concern? I, I, I don't want to call it fear because it was different from the fear I experienced when Trump was in office, right? right? Because the way people 
navigated Charleston mm -hmm. was scary to the point where I had people checking on me. Right. I worked at the military base at that time, and many of the airmen and the sailors were like, Doc, where are you? How are you? That's something that a lot of men won't necessarily do if they think you can handle yourself. I wouldn't say that, but most men won't do it because the fact is, I think just us being generally caring about you, you think we may want something from you, just like opening the door for someone. Nah, I don't mm -hmm. want anything to open the door for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, again, what I, I think we're saying the same thing is that because we comport and show up as strong, right? they could have easily said, oh, Doc got it. But so I'm the Doc who says, no, sir, while you know I can handle my business and while you see me running these programs and while I'm the director of this and I'm the administrator of that, check on me. While I carry my guns, I got five of them and I know how to use every single one, check on me. But that's because I chose to be vocal enough to say I'm vulnerable. Leading, I have, hold on, leading because I have to, because I want, leading because I I have to, have not, to not because, because I, I want, want to. to. I can be independent, mm -hmm. but it's ghetto. Open my door and leave me, poo. I know that's right. <laughs> I mean, hey, it's just, I like to say everything is different, you know, now. Mm -hmm. It's just like everything wants to be transpired over the social media. So, mm. um, as you said, eternal validate, I mean, internal, internal. validation. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants external validation. Mm. And my, I always say this, I don't, only thing I need validation for is parking. I don't need it for nobody else. That's nice. Yeah, I don't need <laughs> I, I understand that. No, I, I hear what you're saying. I think there's a space for external validation. Right. Um, and But if you don't get it internally and you're waiting for the external, you will have problems. But that's why my book is say, it says mastering Black intimacy for the relationship you've always wanted. So right. we're not talking about what your cousin got, what your friends got. We're talking about what you want. And then... When you start to look for what you want versus what you don't want, you draw a different energy to you. Right. Modern women can't handle having doors open for them. Mm. Well, maybe I'm not modern, but I will stand in a heartbeat and wait. Sometimes you got to tell them, you know, don't you. If you with me, your hand better not touch that door. And it's like, why you want to open the door? Mm hmm. I figured you I, look, I used to be told if you get in the car, we'll get there faster. Okay. I'm just saying. I, even though I asked to have the door open. I, but I you let me touch place. the door now. It's almost like I got poisoned or something. Oh my God, what are you doing? I can't believe I don't touch a single door. I might have to knock on this one to get out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, but oh. thank you. Yeah, thank you for joining us, you know, Dr. Perkins, for this great talk into your book, into into I keep messing the title into up. Me see. <laughs> into Mastering me Black see. Intimacy for the Relationship You've Always Wanted. I'm standing and waiting, raising my sons to do the same. Oh, okay, I get it. I was like reading for somebody's son, but she's saying she's raising for a son. But uh -huh. all right, this is the part right here. This is the part of the program where we call I Be Damn, where somebody goes on a date. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, nobody dies or anything like that. But okay. this, 
this is this one was a little crazy and i need to call back and check on what happened yesterday because mm -hmm. they said they was letting it go on juneteenth so this is this week's i'll be damned i've been hold on i'm dating michelle a much older secretary at my church mature woman with big perfume breasts on my kink I am a custodian at the church. Michelle threatened to expose our relationship if I don't leave my wife and make her an honest woman in our church. I broke into Michelle's phone and found two other married churchgoers she's been seeing. I set up a meeting for us to come together to expose her. Only one guy showed up with an aluminum bat, and he threatened to harm me if I ever contacted him again. Black men do not cheat. He said with the bat pressed in my chest. I reluctantly agreed. Michelle means a lot to me, but I may not survive a divorce. My wife has a history of violence. We have a special church program on Juneteenth, which was yesterday. And Michelle says she'll be making an announcement about our entanglement to the congression. So I'm running out of time. WTF, what to do? Need to find out what happened on that story yesterday. Will you call me and let me know? <laughs> I will. Wow. I That's so unfortunate that he got himself in that position. Yeah. So, I mean, the guy he called, was he didn't want no parts of it. So he put the bat to his chest and told him, black men don't cheat. Leave him blame him for, well, I don't know about the bat and all that, but I wouldn't want any part of that. But it's interesting how we get ourselves wrapped up in these things, right? Like, when when did you realize that it was not right to be in that space in the church? I mean, hey, I don't know. We had a few of them this week that I thought about sharing. We had one, just a quick synopsis. Mm -hmm. A dude told the lady, he told he told his wife that um, the house was being foreclosed on, but she like, how is it being foreclosed on? I've been giving you, I've been giving you mortgage money every month. Find out mm -hmm. he bought another house with his, with his side woman and started a new life. So now she's homeless. Oh, like, she's, well, what state is she in? Uh, hold on, I got to find it. Cause she about to make big money. She didn't say. Mm -hmm. I mean, he didn't say. It just said, oh, let me just read it. On Memorial Day, my boyfriend of 6.5 years came home with boxes and garbage bags to spring oh, clean our boyfriend. house. Too much clutter everywhere. He said, weird. Then he said, let's paint the walls white and sell it. I went to a friend's barbecue and told him I think about it. I came home to an empty house. He texted me that the house was foreclosed. I had 24 hours to move in that he's staying with a female co-worker. He was in charge of the bills. I gave him the mortgage payment every month. He used my money to set up his new life. What am I supposed to do? He left his wife for me. He was every he was my everything for so long. So, mm. yeah. I thought she was married to him. Yeah, I must have confused my stories. But That's okay. Yeah, because yeah, I was going to say if she was married to him, she was about to get a big payday. Mm. What can she, she do? Two two houses were gonna be sold. Oh wow! <laughs> oh man! So um, thank you for coming, Doctor Perkins. Absolutely. Um, most people. Well, I don't know if you do it. Most people they have like intervention groups on Facebook or something like that. Do you go live and just sometimes talk? I, I don't do that kind of thing, but I have okay. talks all over the country from time to time. Okay. Um, and so if you check all of my social media, you'll see where I'm going. Like tomorrow, I'm going to be in D.C. at um, Bus Boys and Poets on 14th Street. Um, and I am 
in Charleston for a couple of different things. And then I'm, well, I'm in London for a couple and then in Jacksonville and a couple of places in the Midwest and so forth. So I put those out on a fairly regular basis. But if you come to one of those talks and you ask a question, I'm going to answer you. What time will you be at Busboy and Poor Smile? I don't think I got nothing to do tomorrow. Oh, that'll be fun. 6 p.m. on 14th Street. Yeah, it's being moderated by a very dear friend of mine. Um, it's going to be a good time. Yeah, I don't think I got yeah. anything to do tomorrow. So possibly yeah. I could come come down to dc well, it's tomorrow. being videoed for um television purposes so when you come come correct now oh i will i'm you know <laughs> representing you i'm not coming like that i'm just in the crowd just to come hang out yeah yeah that's awesome i appreciate your having me i have absolutely loved this time with you all right thank you for coming and so next week Oh, next week we're actually having a poet, the poetry show. So next week is Amsterdam Poet Society at eight o'clock on the same network, same channel, YouTube, HBCU network, same time next week, eight p.m. Bunch of poets coming through, going to be talking poetry. So I really won't be talking next week. It'll just be them sharing their creative creative juices with you next week. So I'll just be here. They'll be talking. So eight p.m. next week. Um, so reach out. Did you put our handles up? Uh. Brother for real, so that nobody they can reach her at. There we go. You can reach her at IG, TikTok, IG, TMI, TMI.com, counseling, TMI, counseling and coaching.com, mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Janelle.com, TikTok, Dr. Janelle, Dr. Janelle, LMFT, and, mm -hmm. and at Dr. Janelle on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So we'll see you next week for Amsterdam Poet Society. Good night, y'all. Good night.